All right, this is part two of the shiur that, that uh, we started with uh, Targum. And again, my apologies, because the topic is not Nadarim. Um, Nigel and I had to talk about this on Shabbat, and you make a good point. Uh, but again, I, I, I enjoy using this forum, and I think that we all kind of benefit from it. Using this forum as an opportunity to explore areas that we just never get to explore. And Targum is something that really impacts on us, as we'll see in about five, ten minutes, it impacts us on a regular basis, and yet it's not an area well known. And I think you all found we all found some surprising information in last week's part one. So hopefully today we'll find even more interesting new information in part two. Um, the role of the mitargame. What we talked about last week was chiefly kind of the background of targum, the different kinds of targum, when and where they were developed. Uh, there's literary or or translative targumim, and then there's midrashic targumim. And we saw some interesting examples of that. And there's tons more interesting examples uh, in the literature. Um, and, but we have not yet talked about the role of Targum halachically. So we're going to see that from two perspectives tonight. The first one is the metargame in the Beit Knesset. With this, we mentioned briefly last week about the fact that Kriyata Torah um, has uh, the element of Targum. And uh, we even saw the Mishnah that this big Tosefta is based on, or builds from, which is that there are some psukim or some passages that are not supposed to be mitargamim, they're not supposed to be translated. question is why, and we'll take a look at the list and we'll, and we'll get a sense. Um, with, but one little note from the Tosefta that's interesting is, katan mitargam al yadei gadol, meaning that if uh, you can have a minor do the Targum. He can't do the reading, he can do the Targum, meaning somebody else is reading, and he's the one who, pasuk by pasuk, is doing reading the translation. But it's not nice to have a Katan reading from the Torah, which you're allowed to do, and have the Gadol be the do the Targum. In other words, the, the Turgaman should always be somebody of a lower stature than the Koray what we call Baal Kriyat. Shenemar, what's the proof text? Varon Achicha In other words, Moshe is the Korei, and Aharon is the Mitargeim, and Moshe's stature is higher. And you always want to have the Gadol be the one who is the, the reader, and you can have a Katan who does the Targum. All right, just something to kind of give you a sense of the position of the Mitargeim. And I mean, we actually have a lot more... Um, of that uh, of that in the literature. Now, in the Tosefta, which is, like I said, it builds off of that Mishnah that we saw last week, there are some psukim that are read publicly and are translated, and that's most. There's some that we read publicly, but we don't translate. Now, the example we saw last week, one of the examples we saw was last week is Birchat Kohanim. And what we were surprised was when we opened up Unclus, we found that uh, in Unclus there was no Targum. Uh, there was, sorry, in Unclus there was a Targum, Yivarchinach Adonai Vietrina, which is Aramaic for God should bless you and protect you, which is surprising because the Mishnah explicitly says you're not supposed to be Matargim Berchat uh, Kohanim. Now, we could answer that and say that means that in Shul we don't do Targum. But for the literary piece, the, it, it, it works. We're going to see later in the year something very surprising about that. Now, and this is most surprising. There are things that are actually not supposed to be read out loud at all. And certainly not Targum. Let's see what it is. So the story of creation gets everything. The story of Lot and his daughters in the cave. Right? Now, what do all these things have in common? These are all things that either seem to be opening up exploration, like the first one, exploration to areas that really are beyond most people's ability, or maybe areas that are prohibited to explore, or they're shameful stories. Lot and his daughters in the cave, Yudah and Tamar. These are all uh, sexual peccadilloes. The Masay Egel Harishon, which means the first part of the story of the Egel. It's very shaming. The rebukes or the imprecations. 
לא יהיה אחד מתחיל ואחד גומר, אלא המתחיל הוא גומר את כולם, this has to do with the קללות. צורות מונשין שבתורה נקרא מתורגמנים. אוקיי, all those things, even though they might be scary, they might be very upsetting, they might be shameful, are red. However, מעשה אמנון ותמר נקרא ומתרגם. We talked about this a minute ago before we started, about Amnon and Tamar, the rape scene. That's read in Mitargem. And, and Mitargem. However, Masay Davi, Masay Tamar, we say is not Mitargem. And the way that the Gemara reconciles it is whenever Amnon is called Amnon ben David, we don't do the Targum. Now you get a flavor now what the Targum is about. It's about making the information more available. Remember when Avshalom conquered Yerushalayim or moved into Yerushalayim, the first thing he did was to have relations with all of David's concubines that he had left, he had left there. And we nonetheless, we publicize him. Probably the most horrific story in all of Tanakh, which is the concubine in Giva. Again, Now, the question, of course, is when? When do we ever read that story? It's the last three chapters in Shoftim. It's never read publicly. So the point is that it could be used for a Haftarah if somebody decided to, because remember, Haftarot were wide open then. And the idea is it may be read and with Targum, even though it's a horrific story. Now, Hodat Yushalan Nikram Targum. This is the 16th chapter of Yechezkel, which is both graphic and somewhat R-rated at least. And very, very uh, bold and graphic chastising of Am Yisrael. So there was a guy who got up to read the Haftarah in Rebbe Yezer's presence, and he read it. So it starts at Hodat Yerushalayim Avotaha. Notify, God says to Yechezkel, go tell Yerushalayim about its abominations. So Belazar turned to this guy and says, why don't you check out the abominations of your mother? And the Gemara, not here, the Gemara then adds in and says, and it turned out that uh, he, he himself was born of an illicit union, whatever. In other words, this, this cuts to the interesting psychological insight that people who are willing to broadcast other people's failings are often guilty of them themselves. Hamerkava Korina Tala Rabin. This, of course, are after on the first day of Shavuot. Now, those things are all things which, surprisingly, we publicize anyways. We read the Targum. And now you see a list of things, including from last week's Parsha, where we read them, but we don't do Targum. For instance, Masay Ruvain. When Ruvain took Bilhah, we read it, we're not metargiment. Now, let's stop and think what that means. That means we're, we're in front of an audience in the Big Knesset that, by and large, does not understand the Hebrew of the Torah. But they understand the Aramaic which means Targum is going to make this information available to their understanding, which means we don't want them to really know what happened to Ruvain and Bilhah. Then why are we reading it at all? So you can answer, well, we have a mitzvah of Kriyat Torah, but it's a little bit strange. You'll see it's not so simple. Here's himself was reading. The end of that pasuk is, after it says what Ruvain did to Bill, it says, and Yaakov's children were 12, and, you know, Ruvain, etc. And then he told the Metagame, don't translate anything but the end of that pasuk. In other words, don't read the part about Ruvain and Bill. So here we have a story to support the Halacha. Meaning the second half of the story of the Egel, which is Moshe and Aharon's conversation, etc., and the punishment, we don't do targumon. All right, skip down to Lamed Chet. Masay David Ubatsheva, Loni Meaning the story, the whole story of David and Batsheva is not read at all. It means you can't use it for Haftarah. I'm not sure which lane you'd use it for. Because you had to use it for Haftarah, and obviously not Metagem. All right, but if you're teaching kids Tarach, you could teach it regular. There's nothing, you don't have to quiet it down, right? And now the Tosefta then goes on to um, a, a, a different area, which we're, because of time constraints, we're going to leave alone. I want to show you one other thing in, in this line, uh, which is a tshuva from the Chuvota Geonim. It's Chuvota of Natronoi Gon, um, which the, the most um, 
up-to-date work on these two votes and the most uh, comprehensive work on this was done by Brody uh, 15, 20 years ago or something, something like that. And in his two votes, the Rav Natrunay Gon, who was uh, ninth century uh, in Babel, obviously, said, And this is going to open up a door to something we'll get to in the second half of the Shi'ur. There are people who turn around and say, we want to do Targum in our language and not in the Targum de Rabbanan. What's Targum de Rabbanan? We're going to right now call it with the thing that we refer to as Targum Unkus or Targum Bavli. Rather, we want to do it in our own language. Now, he may be referring to people in Spain who want to do it in Spanish. Or he may be talking about a different dialect of Aramaic or perhaps Arabic. We want to do it in a language that people understand. You would think it'd be Ladino in Spain. Not this early. Not this early. So now, if they do Targum, and by the way, we're talking about Targum in the Bay Knesset, which is still practiced, they don't fulfill their obligation by doing it in Spanish or Arabic or whatever. My Tama, and he explains now, this, by the way, is new notch in what we're looking at which is the special status of Aramaic. Now, if you remember at the very beginning, and if you, in our, these short sheets too, I left the first few pages there from last week, it all starts with the Pasuk in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, if you remember, Ezra gets up to read from the Torah, and he reads from the Torah, and he says, V'yikru'u b'sefer Torah t'alohim meforash v'som sechel, and each one of those phrases was used to denote another element of clarification of the text. And miforash is interpreted throughout all the literature to refer to targum, right? Menalan targum in Torah and zeh targum always miforash. Explication is targum. So he says that means targum doesn't mean just translating it into the vernacular. It means targum, which means that Aramaic text. Now, we, of course, have a problem when we say that Aramaic text. Which Aramaic text? As we saw last week, we have various targum and with various lengths and depths, right? So now his point is that targum is actually anchored in a pasuk. Right? He said, therefore, what must it have been that Ezra had the Levine do for him? They must have been metargim in Targum de Rabbanan. Now, notice what he's saying. He's not just saying that Ezra's helpers translated it into current Aramaic of 5th century BCE Bavel, because they could have been all from Bavel, but rather they used Targum de Rabbanan, which is what we refer to as the Targum, which, of course, is a much later Targum, that started in Eretz Israel and got finished off in Babel. There's also an interesting halachot about Targum, where the Metargim can't speak louder than the Kore, and the targum, targum can't start before the Kore is finished, and the Kore can't start before the Targum. There's a whole choreography of it. And so Natrunai go and learn from that whole choreography that they, and how loud they can be, etc., that it is uh, a halamadta down here, mina Torah In other words, all these halachot tell you that targum is a mitzvah to do. Mitzvah mina Torah is a little bit of push. All right. You have to wait till the kore is finished to read to do it. In other words, he's saying targum is part of a ritual. Um, um, oral choreography, shall we say, of reading. You read, and antiphonally you translate, and therefore the Targum, he says, must be as sacrosanct as the text itself that you're reading. Now, there's, that's not the only conclusion you could draw from these sources, but that's the one he draws. Etc. All of these laws, right? Um, 
let's say that they have people who say we're not going to do targum because out of spite, you know, we think we're better. If these people aren't doing targum de Rabbanan because they want to say we know better, then they should be in Kherum. It's because they don't know how to do the targum in Aramaic. And then he adds one more line that changes the picture. Because right now the picture, at least that I got from this, was that he's sticking to the, to the image of Kriya, Targum, Kriya, Targum, Kriya, Targum. That's all that's going on. And then he adds, If there's somewhere where they want to actually teach the people what's going on, because they don't understand either language. And by the way, I want you to see how strange this is. We're hearing a guy read the Torah in a language we don't understand. And then we're hearing a guy read a translation into Aramaic, which we don't understand either. Got to kind of wonder what that's about. So he says, if they want to explain it to them, then let somebody else stand there and explain it to them, which means, picture this, one, second guy goes, two, and then the third guy says, Hashem spoke to Moshe saying. That's what he says. That would be allowed if you do the proper reading in Targum, but you also have to do this. Which now leads us to where we really wanted to get to in this year, as I mentioned, the Targum in its halachic context. So one halachic context, which again, outside of the Yemenites, and maybe there may be other some kind of the communities, but it's not mainstream, um, is no longer practiced, is what we just talked about. The public Targum in association with the reading from Tanakh, both Torah and Haftarah. Unless you go to a Yemenite shul, you won't see it happen. But this is something that impacts on all of us. Right? And that is what's called Shnaim Mikra Vechad Targum. And notice I gave it its very famous acronym, Shmot. Shnaim Mikra Vechad Targum. All right, let's take a look. This starts in the Sugya in Masach Brachot. <clears throat> and we did not do this when we were doing Brachot. We didn't do this as a dive, so this is a good time for, for it. Amarav Huna Bar Yehuda Amarabi Ami. All right, where we have, go. Source 40 here. That's the phrase we ought to see. A person should always yashlim parshiotav, which literally means to complete your parashot, im hatzibur, along with the community, shnayim mikra v'echad targum. And that becomes the phrase, shnayim mikra v'echad targum, which means reading it twice and targum once. Va'afilu atarot v'divon. Even... And we're going to take a look at the psukim. Atarot v'divon, which is a list of cities, which means the targum of it is just the same names. In other words, read the targum, as it were, or just read those words a third time. And we're going to see a very interesting take by the Orch HaShohan in that. Anybody who does that has a long life. Bibi bar baye. Said, you know what? I'm going to do them all on Erev Yom Kippur. Meaning, I'm going to sit there on Erev Yom Kippur and spend the whole day of Yom Kippur reading through the entire Torah and the Targum. I'll read through the Torah twice and the Targum once, right? And then there's a side point where they tell me you have to actually feast on Erev Yom Kippur and you have to eat, etc. So now, Sabra Lakduminhu. So then he said, you know what? Maybe I'll do them early meaning early on in the year, instead of every week. In other words, we have a brighter that it has to be not early nor late, which means what? So now please tell me what that means. Right? And we'll see an example. Shuman Levi had a whole bunch of ethical wills he gave to his kids. One of them was, Complete your parashot with the tzibor, shnaim mikro Now, what does that mean, shaloyakdim shaloyacher? Does that mean that you have to do it during Kriyata Torah while we're hearing the Kriyata Torah? Does it mean you have to do it on the day of Shabbat when they're having the Kriya? Does it mean you have to do it during that week? You understand we have a problem. Shaloyakdim shaloyacher is given without parameters. What's early, what's late? We saw that Rabbi Bibi Rabaye one year evidently put it off until the end of the year 
and then decided to do the whole thing in one shot, and they told him that's not, not okay. And then he thought to somehow do it in advance, and they said that's not okay either. You have to do it with a tzibur. With a tzibur. So we have several questions here. One, just to point out about this atarot vidivon, that's a side thing, but what, what does it mean to be mashlim imat tzibur targum? What's the purpose of this entire exercise, this entire obligation of Shnai Mikrav Echad Targum? And a third question you're going to ask is, well, what's Targum? Does it mean, again, I'm going back to Rav Natron did I read the Pasuk twice and then I read it in English? Do I have to read specifically Targum Unklos? Can I read a different Aramaic Targum? What does it mean? And what and what's the time frame for it? So I want to quickly look at the uh, Tarot Vidivon thing. Here's the Pasuk in its place. This is, if you recall, after the conquest of the East Bank in the war against Sihon and Og, and, um, and the members of Shevet, Reuben, and God end up pointing out that there's lush land there, and they have a lot of cattle and sheep, and they'd like to stay on the East Bank. And they first come up and play possum with Moshe. They don't ask him for it. They just mentioned, oh, you know, we got a lot of sheep and there's a lot of grazing land. Yeah. You, you know, and Moshe doesn't fall for it. It makes them actually come out with the request. But notice what they say. Look at Pasuk Bet. It's a big public statement. Right? So um, that's nine cities. That's all. It's names of cities. Okay. What is Unclus? Have on this. Look at that. Atarot vidivon v'yazevni rava cheshbon v'aleus v'amud v'olvon. In other words, there's nothing new there. You can understand why the the Gemara, and if it's Rav Huna, it's Rav Ami who actually included that statement. Why the Gemara gives this as an example of even this, you got to do shnei mikra v'chatargum. Wouldn't wouldn't that wouldn't that also apply, Rabbi, to all the toldot, Ela toldot Esav, and they mentioned all this, all these people's Absolutely. names. Absolutely. It'll be the same thing. So why do right. they pick up the cities? Very good. So I actually had a fellow who, who emailed me this week um, and said, I don't understand why they picked out Torah Vidivon, not Ruben Shimon Levi Yehuda. See, with toldot Esav, many, but not all of those psukim, also have other words in them. Right? Vayikach, Aluf, etc. Yeah. Right? But here it's just named just like Ruven Shimon Levi Yuda. So why pick these? So we'll try to come up with something. But take a look here. Unkulus, as you see, doesn't really do a targum. There's nothing to be a target. Take a look at Neofiti, right? And you'll notice that it's not exactly the same. Atarot Vidivon Mikvar Nimrin which seems to be uh in most of the cases. Um, Aramaic forms of the name, but on the other hand, Ya'azer becomes Michvar, and Nimra becomes Beit Nimrim. So there's slight variations. Now, of course, you come to Pseudo Jonathan, you're going to see, we've seen this already, you're going to see all Midrashic development, right? And you see that none of the names look alike, and notice what happens at the end. Unnevo, which is famously the mountain that Moshe ascended at to die, is called Beit Kfurate de Moshe, <laughs> the, the, the funeral place of Moshe, which means that in these two Targumim, you actually have Targum. Now, remember, in as you expect, in Targum Yonatan, pseudo-Jonathan, you're going to find a Midrashic development. That's not a liter literal translation. That's a Midrashic development or an expansion, right? So Atarod Vidivon may have been picked here because working on the Babylonian Targum, what we call Targum Bavli, it really is no different. But then you have the question, why not Ruvain um, and, uh, how do you call it, Ruvain and Shimon Levin Yehuda? But if this statement really is associated with Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami is from Eretz Yisrael, it may actually be referring to an Eretz Yisrael tradition that does have slight variations on it, in which case now Atarot Vidivon takes on a different meaning. Maybe they picked Atarod Vidivon because even though they're just names, there is a Targumic Midrashic association that expands on the names. Ruven Shimon Levi Yehuda doesn't have that. 
So that might be why that why they picked um, Atarot Bidivon. And it really depends on one thing. Is this line in the Gemara right here, Afilo Atarot Bidivon, is this a statement of Rabbi Ami, or is this added by the Gemara? If it's a statement of Rabbi Ami, it's an Eretz Yisrael statement. And it's referring to Eretz Yisrael Dik uh, Targumim, which have expansions. If it's a Babylonian addition to the text, then it's referring to the Babylonian translation, which is this, which then you ask the question. So what happened to Ruven Shimon Levi Yehuda? Okay. Now, take a look at this, at the Rambam. The Rambam is rule, ruling on this obligation. By the way, it's halachic obligation. I'm going to share the Shulchan Aruch. Halachic obligation every week to do Targum. Watch how the Rambam codifies it. Afal P. Shadam Shomea. Meaning a person goes every week and, and here's the Torah and here's the whole thing. And through the year, here's the whole Torah. You're obligated, and we're all obligated, every week to read the Seder of that week, during that week, which means the Rambam sees there's two different obligations. There's one obligation to hear the Torah reading publicly on Shabbat. There's another one, which is to do during that week. And this is what the Rambam does with the time frame. The time frame of too early, too late is you do it during that week. All right, we're going to see an interesting comment in the Rosh. What, is it, what do you do if you have a Pasuk with no Targum? You read it three times. Which is interesting because it makes it sound like the issue isn't Targum, it's three. Read it three times. And so with the Targum, so otherwise you just read next. Until you complete it with the Tzibor. Now, um, um, I want to just skip down to something for a second and then come back. Um, to this. Take a look at this comment of the Ravan. It's just such an eye-opener. The Ravan, Rabbi Rambavnatan, I think, who was one of the very early Balea Tosafot, um, in his Shelot uh, Chivot, he has the following comment. He notes, the He says something, by the way, that is absolutely iconoclastic. Nobody else says it, but it's a mind-blower. Uh, those of us who've grown up with Shnaimikov Achatargum and have done it every week of our lives um, find this to be very surprising. Shnaimikov Achatargum. Nearly, he said, it seems to me, it's talking about an individual who lives in, let's say, a non Jewish town. There's no minion there. In other words, he's not having Kriyat Torah. Now, there's a line in here that I can't explain. But he says that, therefore, if you have a guy who's in a city, he can't get a minion together. Either in his city there isn't, or else he can't, for some reason, can't leave his neighborhood or his house, and he can't get a minion together. He should identify the time at which they're reading in Shoal, and during that time he should read Shnaim Targum. And then he says Shnaim to correspond with the two who are reading, and one Targum Targum. It's a little unclear who are the two that are reading, what he means by that. Shekain Hayam Min Hagam, but he says that was their custom of leaning. And he brings one example from the Mishnah, where Targum is part of, again, the choreography of Kriyat Torah. So in his world, in the Ravan's world, Targum is only for people who are not getting the shul. And, and it's their way of participating in what is going on in shul from home. If you think, because if you think Targum is like everybody else says, because my teacher said, so why didn't it say you should read it on Shabbat? In other words, his 
point is that the statement in the Gemara is you read it im hatzibur. What does im hatzibur mean? Vaday im hatzibur mamash, meaning uh, uh, syncopated, not syncopated. What's the word? Synchronized. Synchronized. Synchronized with the tzibur. Why do you need shnai mikra? After all, you're hearing it in shul. Nonetheless, our minag is the proper minag. So he says, he thinks the meaning of the halachic statement is that a person, if he does not going to hear Kriyat Torah for whatever reason that week, then he should nonetheless make it up by doing it at home. Which, by the way, would mean, translated into our day, it would mean read the Torah. Meaning just read it once, because we only read it once. We don't do Targum. But he says, nonetheless, that minhag is an appropriate minhag, meaning the way everybody else interprets this halacha is an appropriate minhag, because what happens if in shul something comes up and you don't hear the kriya, you're, there's disturbance, then um, then at least you will have read it once properly. Okay, good. Okay, I'd like to take a look at um, um, one other... Um, nuance of the actually several other nuances of this halacha but first a slight detour back to something that we looked at if you recall birchat koanim was listed as one of the things that's nikra velomitargem now what does that mean does that mean that in shul they'd say and nobody would say a word and then they would say the other two psukim doesn't mean that they would say and the Metargim would just repeat the Hebrew. What does it mean? So take a look at Unklus. Unklus here has Yevarchinach Adonai Vitrinach. I, I pointed this out to you last week. In Unklus that we have, you open up your printed Chumash, look at Unklus, and you'll see Unklus has a Targum here. Which means that this Targum seems to violate the Halacha. The Halacha says we don't do Targum on Berchat Kohanim. And yet you have it here. But more surprising, and this is one of the surprises for this week, look at the Ralbag. Ralbag, Gersonides, 13th century in France, writes the following. Every day in this way. And now watch what he says. Because of the depth of this parsha, Unklus didn't do any translation. Please look right above that in the green. You see the problem? The Rabag is testifying that there's no Targum Unklus on these Psukim. Open your Chumash and you'll see it there. Right? So interesting is that if you look at some of the Kitve Yad of Unklus, you will see some of them actually don't have anything here, which means this may be a later addition. We spoke about that a little bit last week, but now we have testimony of the Rabag that the Unklus he was working with had nothing here. So certainly some things have changed. Before we move on, I want to go back to the Rambam because I want to, a little bit of Um um, the uh, the Rosh Hashiva in Malaya Dumim, who passed away, I think it was less than two years ago, was at the beginning of COVID. Rav Nachum Rabinovich, Zechat Sadik Libracha, was an unbelievable Tamil Chacham. By the way, he he was a Rav in Charleston, South Carolina, and later in Canada. He also was uh, had, a, I think, a doctorate in physics. Um, and um, unbelievable Tamil Chacham, and a very, very sweet, very nice man. And um, Rabbi Ravinovich wrote a, a, an unbelievably uh, comprehensive and, uh, and wonderful commentary on the Rambam. He did about four of the Sfarim of the Rambam, Amada, Avaz, Manim. Um, and uh, in Sefer Ahava, he also wrote on, uh, on, on in Zraim, on Shemitah, and he wrote Mishpatim. He wrote a good part of the Rambam. I have it here on my shelf. It's a wonderful, wonderful volume of volumes. And here he makes the following comment. And this is classically what he does, but I thought in order to honor his memory, it would be also appropriate. He quotes the Gemara here, right? And then he quotes the Gonim. The Amar of Hai Gaon. Amar of Hai. 
לעניין ואפילו התורות ודיוון. כן מנהג בישיבה, remember we are bothered by התורות ודיוון, כן מנהג בישיבה, remember this is always the response of the גאונים, is the, the custom in the ישיבות, that's, that's what sets the tone, שקורא אותנה קורא וחוזר ומתרגם ואומר את השמות הללו כתיקונן, וכן ראובן שמעון לוי ויהודה, וגם זולתן יש רוב הפסוק שמות. So wherever there's names, what happens is the reader reads it, and the Matagim reads the names again in Hebrew. In other words, read two of them as Mikra, and one of them as Targum, even though it's the same words. There's nothing to translate Reuven. What are you going to say? It's a name. He says, what about Berchad Kohanim? This is all the truth of Rav Haigom. Right? Remember we said that we don't want people, there's another component, we don't want people to get the feeling that, you know, God is not supposed to show any favoritism, and yet he shows favoritism. So do that, we kind of shash till berchat kwanim, it's like a private thing. So you don't even do targum of that privately, which means, by the way, when you're doing shtan mikro v'chat targum in parshat naso, and you get to that, maybe you should skip it. That's an interesting thing. Remember we said we had all of those passages that we don't do Targum on? He says the Targum reads them in Hebrew. We don't want people to think he's just being lazy. He's doing it because of Kavod for the characters and the Tzibor. All right? So, um, um, now, here's uh, what I, I showed you this. In other words, Rabinovich points out that now that we've seen better kitveyad, better manuscripts, more authentic manuscripts of the of Unklus, we find that in Berchat Kohanim, it just says the words in Hebrew, unlike what we have, right? Um good and um do, 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 do. right um good and that basically is a, uh, continue with that okay now i i want to move on here um to the issue of the of the shamikovachatargum because there are several side questions that really cut in on the nature of what we do with targum. Take a look at Tosfot here in source 50. All right, I went a little nuts here with the Makorot. We have, we have 70 or so. Shnar Mikor Vechatargum. Yesh Mefarshim Vuadin Loazot Belaaz Shalayan. Now remember what we saw, the Nachon said, you can't do it in any other language. It has to be in Aramaic. It has to be the Targum of Ankus. So Tosfot says, some people say you could do Shnar Mikor Vechatargum with another language, whatever your local language is. Just like in those days, Aramaic made it available to the locals. So Spanish, French makes it available to us. It also says, I don't like it. He says, Targum sometimes explains things that are not available in the Ivrit. In other words, Targum is not just a translation. It's an explication. And remember that what we saw last week, the Targum in Nevi'im of that odd pasuk in Zechariah that said, you know, and it ended up, the Targum explained what was being referenced. It was two total, totally different events. So he says the same thing that we saw with Rav Hai, that you have to say it in, in that language. However, Rav not tonight, in, that, in, tar, in Targum, in Ankos. But he gives a different reason. Of, of Natrunai Gon said, Targum of Unklos, he says, goes all the way back to its original Takana, and that's the way that it was Mitagen. On the other hand, it's not, it means it's not just about translating. If you want to translate it separately, that's fine. Um, um, Tosfut here has a different take. He says, if you read Targum, you'll see that there's more to Targum than just translation. Now, what's difficult about that is that's not generally true in the Torah. And the obligation is just Torah. Shreimikavachat Targum is only Torah. And as we've seen, Targum in the Torah, Targum Unklus in the Torah, 
is by and large literal translation. So it's a little bit difficult to, to, to say that. We're going to take a look at, at uh, two more Rishonim here, and then we're going to go into the to the post game. I want to show you a couple really fascinating things about this. Um, Rabbeinu Yonah, Rabbeinu Yonah of Gerondi, Talmud of the Ramban. So that puts us in the end of the 13th century in Spain. Um, his students compiled a commentary um, of his, really, but they, they compiled the commentary on Brachot that was really cir circulating around the Rif, around the Rif's Halachot. And in the standard Shas, you know, on the back of the Shas, you have the Rif print. It looks like a Gemara with the text in the middle. And usually the commentary on the outside side is the Ran. Um, but uh, in Brachot, it's Talmidi Rabbeinu Yonah. A lot of really, really fascinating things. We saw a few of them way back in Brachot. So he quotes this halacha, and watch what he says. In other words, before you get to shul, you have to read the whole thing. It could be Shabbos morning, it could be any time during that week. Don't do it two or three weeks early. Some people read a little every day. That's my custom. And many people have that custom. They read a little bit every day and they finish on Shabbat. And then he says, Remember our problem with this? Why, why pick Targum? That they pick that Pasuk because there's no Targum. It's a list of cities. He says, I don't buy it. He's troubled by what we're troubled. Why did Rabbi Ami pick Atarod Vidimon as the one example of the Afil? He says, it can't be because there's no translation, because you have Ruven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. It's a lot easier. Notice what he says. By the way, you know what he's quoting? Remember? He's quoting Pseudo-Jonathan. Which, of course, did not exist in the times of the Gemara. Which makes this answer very difficult. Watch what he says. It's quite amazing. He says, you know why they picked Atarod Vidivon? By the way, this is historically not accurate. But you know why they picked Atarod Vidivon? Because unlike Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, where all it says in any Targum is Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, as you saw in Pseudo-Jonathan, it has a whole drush, remember? Moshe's burial place, remember that? So he says, that's what they're trying to say, that even when all you have is a Targum, which is a Midrashic expansion, read that. And then he says, but if you have a Pasuk that really has no Targum whatsoever, like Ruben, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, then just read the Pasuk twice. Okay, maybe you have to read it three times. And again, we have to cut back to why three times, which we haven't answered. We're going to take a look at that. So we get to that before the end. One last thing I want to show you is in the Rosh here. All right, the Rosh, again, Rabbeinu Asher, end of the 13th, beginning of the 14th century, um, in uh, really beginning of the 14th century, Germany, then moved to Spain. All right, he quotes this halacha. V'kasheh. Um, he talks about, again, Atorot V'divon. Matzah the Merah, Fili Ruven V'shimon. Right? This is what my correspondent sent me this week. Why didn't they pick Ruven and Shimon? Why? Atorot V'divon. He says the same thing as Talmud Rabbeinu Yonah. Maybe they picked out Tarot Vidivon because there is some sort of Midrashic Targum on it. You don't have to read Rabbeinu Shimon three times. Read it twice. Which means that if there's no Targum, you just read the Pasuk three times. Yesh mefarshim, here we go. This is Tosfot. Remember, du adin to lechol halo azot 
That in America, you could do it in English. That in Germany, you could do it in German. So some people say that. Why are we doing Targum? Because people don't understand Torah. Now, by the way, we had an interesting thing happen in the last couple of generations. We have many who are much more familiar with Hebrew than with Aramaic. And so when they read the Targum, then they end up learning Aramaic as a result. In other words, they already understood what it said in the Torah. And then they're reading Aramaic, which they don't understand. They say, oh, now the Aramaic helps me understand, you know, not that the Aramaic helps me understand the Hebrew. The Targum helps me understand Aramaic because of the Tanakh. So it's a little backwards. So it should be the same thing with any translation. Same as Tosfot, I don't buy it. And then he quotes the same thing about the Nevim. All right. Um, okay, good. That's, that's the one that I want to show you. Now, um, the Rosh, of course, famously had a son. Son of Yaakov. He had other sons. Rabbi Yaakov, Ben Rosh is better known as Rabbi Yaakov Baal Haturim. He's the one who authored the tour. And you can see what he writes in the tour. We're going to take a look at it because it's a very quick compendium of the halacha. One thing that I wanted to show you up until here was the Rishonim grappled with two issues. One issue was Atarot V'divon, why'd they pick that? And we saw already two independent Rishonim give the same answer, which was, they're not quoting each other, which was that Atarot V'divon, the Tsukim they picked, actually have an expansive Midrashic Targum. And that's why they were picked. And that's why Ruben Shimon were not picked as the example. But the other thing that was a, a hot topic is, can you use English? Now, up until this point, that sounds like the only options are Targum or some other translation. And the other translations were rejected because they felt that Targum was not just a translation, it was an explanation. Okay, get ready, put on your seatbelts. Now, before we before we hit the gas, I'm going to ask you this question. Who is, hands down, no questions asked, the single most popular commentator on Chumash? Rashi. There Rashi. No question. Rashi, without a question. Right? When did Rashi die? Let me know. Beginning of the 1100s. Right, 1105. 1040 to 1105. Famous joke, look what you can get done in 25 minutes. 1040 to 1105. Right? Now, Rashi was popular in his lifetime. Rashi was immensely popular in his lifetime and immediately afterwards, and that popularity never, never ceased. It's really testimony to the greatness of his style of writing and his knowledge that he was popular and remained popular and remains popular and will be popular. All right? You'll see why I'm saying that. Here we go. Here's the tour, the whole Siman. Boom, boom. Right? This is this is a halacha in Hilchot Shabbat. You have to complete the parsha Imat Sibor, and he quotes the uh, the Gemara. And bet, v'chol mashliv parsha you have a long life, right? And now, Piresh Rabbeinu Shlomo. Meaning, Atarot V'divon was picked because there's no Targum, it's just cities. Which means you have to read any Pasuk three times, and if it's got no Targum, you read the Pasuk the third time, instead of them, there's no Targum. He quotes his father. Quoted that exactly like his father, which means that even though it may be the case that when you come to a pasuk that has no targum, you just have to read the pasuk twice. People in Machmir like Rashi, every pasuk gets read three times, usually twice in Hebrew, once in targum. Or now, get ready. Oh, right. Exactly the reaction I want to see. Whoa. <laughs> if you study the Parsha with Rashi, that's like Targum. And there are many people who do that. They study 
Chumash with Rashi as the Shnai Mikavach Targum. What many people do is they're Machmer, they read the Targum and the Rashi. Chashid Kamo Targum, She'en Kaunata Targum El Shiavin Ha'inyan. The point of the Targum is for you to understand it. Korei Bisharla's law, but if you read it in some other language, it doesn't help. By the way, he doesn't comment about what about other commentators? It's only Rashi. I just want to show you how popular Rashi is. Any time during the week is called with the tzibur, all right? Um, and right, it's ideal that you should finish it. I, know, I remember seeing guys when I was younger who uh, were late to lunch because they were finishing Shnai Mikro. They said, not right to eat a meal on Shabbat day. And there's a Midrash that Rebbe told his kids, don't eat a meal on Shabbat day until you finish Shnai Mikro. Okay. Shochan Arach, right, which of course is built on the tour, right, and he says, Good. There we go. Which means, by the way, you get both. The Targum, so you get the Aramaic, and also Perish Rashi, which means you're going to get the Pshat and the major mainstream Midrashim. And then that um, he says that um, uh, that uh, you should uh, do it with the Tzibur, and ideally uh, it, from Sunday on, ideally finish it before you eat a meal on Shabbat, etc., and then there's allowances a few days more, etc., Okay, and then one interesting note in Halacha Vav, and I'm going to take you to the last source we're going to see. If you're teaching kids, you don't have to go and review it again because you've already done it. You're teaching them with Rashi, etc., etc. Okay, now I want to take you to the Aruch HaShulchan. The Aruch HaShulchan, Michiel Michal Epstein, who was um, the one of the Rosh Shiva in he was a Rav in Nevardak, um, and the Archa Shulchan, which was written the end of the 19th century, was written to be not a commentary on Shulchan Aruch, but a re-presentation, not representation, a re-presentation of the Shulchan Aruch by taking the halacha, starting from the source and developing it through the Rishonim and showing the main issues and then presenting the the rulings of the Torah, the Shulchan Aruch, and the, and the Ramah, and then more recent rulings that may have come up. The Aruch HaShulchan, important to note, was the favorite Sefer Halacha in the Yeshivot. The Mishnah Brewer, which today you would consider to be the favorite Sefer Halacha, was a relatively latecomer, relative latecomer to that, and it was only really after World War II, and even a little later than that, that its popularity surged. But the Aruch HaShulchan, even today in the Yeshivot, is seen to be a much more analytically sophisticated book, not to take away, God forbid, from the Shabur, which is a monumental work. But but uh, in the Yeshivot, it's seen as like, if I want to really study something, a way to do it is to start it with the, with the Aruch HaShulchan. You'll notice that the, the Machaber had seven very short lines about this. Take a look at the Aruch HaShulchan. I gave you the whole thing just so you could see the breadth of it. 13 very big paragraphs. And we're not going to look at all of them. I just want to show you a couple of them. He quotes the halacha here, right? And um, and about some people do it a little bit thing. And now he says the interesting thing. If we can only look at this part of bet, it's just worth it. He starts by asking a question that we haven't seen yet in all of our research today or last week, which is, we don't know the reason for this halacha of Shnei Mikro now, there is a Midrash that Moshe Rabbeinu, not Midrash, but since there's a rabbinic tradition, that Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who was metaken public kriyata Torah. And he, the Orchachachan says it must be that the Targum was also Nitkan, Shtan Mikrovach Targum was Nitkan at that same time. And the, and the notion is that the the Targum seems to be wedded to the public reading, the Imat Sibur. So it must be part of it. Valvush Katav Kadeshi Baki Batora. The Lavush, 16th century 
the Mordechai Yafeh, the Levush says that they made the Takana so you should know the Torah. If you hear the Torah every week and you read it twice in the Targum, every week you're going to know the Torah. He said, that's not enough. The obligation of Torah is to hear the Torah and learn the Torah. What do we what do we do on Shabbat morning? We hear the Torah. of a proper parchment. Therefore, you want to learn it first. Notice how he describes it. It's gorgeous. He said, you spend the whole week, is your preparation for the experience of Kriyat Torah. You study it all week in order to know the Parsha, and then when you hear it, you now understand on as deep a level as you've studied it, you understand what you're hearing. And then he brings an unbelievably insightful, creative proof and support for this idea of where, why three times. He quotes the Sugya and Sota that talks about the Brit and Hargrizim. He says, We had three Britot with God, the Brit and Har Sinai, then in the Mishkan, and then the second generation in Arvot Moab. That's why you have to learn everything three times. And that's why he says, when there's no Targum, you have to read it three times, to correspond to those three experiences of the Brit. So where there's Targum, the third time they pick Targum. So you'll understand it. Right? And then he claims that Targum, of course, has its roots at Sinai. What that may mean is a little bit difficult, but what, whatever it may be, it certainly the Targum is is hallowed by its age and its and its sanctity. We saw that already last week, right? And um, and then he quotes the Ravon that it corresponds to the two reading and the one doing the Targum. Um, um, ba -ba -bum. Okay. Now, I see that we have a minute to go. So I'm going to uh, to leave us here, even though there's much, much more to say about it. Um, but what we've seen over the course of today, and I will open up for questions in a minute. What we've seen over the course of today is, uh, in the second shiur is, last week we looked at Targum as a phenomenon. Targum as a literary uv, which is the Targum, what we call Targum Abavli, which is referred to as Targum Unklus, which is more of a literal Targum, and then the Targum Yushami Neofiti, which is even older than that, and then Targum Pseudo Jonathan, which is much, much later. But we saw that these are Midrashic Targumim, and we call them Targum Yushalmi, which expand on the text. Um, and what we looked at this week, and we talked a little bit about the dating of, of, the, of Pseudo Jonathan and its provenance, uh, what we looked at this week was. Um, was the issue of Targum in the Halakha, and in two different areas. One, we dealt with briefly, which is the Targum as part of the choreography of Kriyata Torah, and the antiphony between the Baal Kriya and the Metargem, and how they correspond, correlate together, and um, and who can do the Targum, etc. And then a whole series of passages that we don't allow to have Targum because evidently there's a shame involved, which by the way points to Targum, as a way to let people understand what's going on, these are things we don't want people to understand, so we don't do the Targum. That raises the question, then why read it publicly? Okay, that's that's an interesting problem. And it may be we read it publicly so people know that it exists, and if they want to address it in a sophisticated manner, they'll take their time and do it properly, maybe. But then there seems to be a sharp turn that takes place in the times of the Gaonim, where Targum no longer serves the purpose of translation, but serves the purpose of recreating this event. And that's how Targum is understood. And that's why Targum in Shul can't be in another language, which then leads to Targum can't be in another language. And all of that is sailing along fine until we get to the tour. 
When the Torah turns around and says, by the way, if you studied the Parsha with, with Rashi, that's good enough. Which turns us around twice. Because it means, first of all, that you could use something alternate to the Targumunkos. And by the way, to say that Perish Rashi goes back to Sinai, nobody's ever said something like that. To say Targum Unkelos does, there's such a statement. But so, so we're not fulfilling that. On the other hand, it seems to be that it's again about understanding, because the whole that, that's what the Torah's argument is. And so the Shulchan Aruch seems to wed all of this together and say, if you really fear God, you really want to do it the right way, then do them both, because then you get the Targum with its Targumic traditions, and you get, and the, and the shall we say, the pompous circumstance of Targum, and then you also get Perish Rashi, which will give you a deeper explanation into the piece. The I want to end by repeating that beautiful line of the Orchashokhan, the Shamikavacha Targum is really a preparation for the experience of Kriyata Torah. By the way, that means we have to look at Kriyata Torah differently as a monumental and exciting experience that we takes all week to build to by preparing ourselves, by learning the Parsha, discussing the Parsha, reading about the Parsha, going in, in more depth. And then when we hear the Parsha, we're filled with understanding and, and excitement because we have a greater understanding of what's going on. So um, that's our piece on Targum. Now, parenthetically, next week, um, we're going to uh, do a special Hanukkah session. And I'm going to send you by email. Well, you'll let me know if that you want to use a different time because of, uh, you know, it's the second light, et cetera. And um, sorry, the night before is the first night. Okay. And uh, this is for a joke. And um, the, <laughs> uh, the, uh, and the week afterwards, I'm going to suggest that maybe we'll do a two part on Hanukkah because it'll be the last day of Hanukkah ois, but still we could do something related to that. So I'll send you, um, I'll send out a thing about time. And with your permission right now, you could just sort of nod your head if you're okay with doing at least next week on Hanukkah because it'll be during Hanukkah. That's yes. good to that. Great. Okay. Yeah, but it's the last.